morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 162, and it is a privilege and a pleasure to have on Kristen Meyer, the head girls basketball coach at West Des Moines Dowling Catholic High School in West Des Moines, Iowa, one of uh, the state's true powerhouses, a traditional power in the state of Iowa, and uh, just really excited to have Kristen on here. Uh, she's glowing a little bit over the phone. I can feel it through the phone here tonight. They punched their ticket to the state tournament. Going to the well next week, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll discuss that as we get going. So, uh, But before we talk to Kristen here, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them to go check out Cossack Chiropractic. Give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300 or check out their practice, CossackChiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, subscribe. Subscriptions help so much. It helps people find the channel and check out what we're doing here. So like, subscribe, give us five stars, give us a great rating. It's greatly appreciated so uh, more, more folks can check out a pen and a napkin. Questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. If you would like to check out a pen and a napkin.com and you want to get some coaching resources, I think there's some good stuff there, and I know that because... I'm the one that put it there. So check out a penandanapkin.com. And of course, if you'd be so willing, go to a penandanapkin.com Patreon page. That's patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. Enough of the pen and a napkin stuff. Coach Meyer, you got to be feeling good. 24 hours ago, you're in the midst of a, of a sub-state game, and now you're able to sit back and, and relax at least a little bit after getting the big win and, and punching your ticket to the well. How are we feeling? Oh, we're, we're feeling great. Uh, you know, myself, my coaching staff, our team, we're really excited. Uh, I wish it was a little bit of sit back and relax, but pretty much right after it finishes, you start <laughs> looking at your next opponent. And uh-huh. uh, as you know, you start scouting and, and getting into that stuff and the planning, uh, you know, with, with the other activities that go on with making it to state, but wouldn't want it any other way. You know, do, do you, uh, when, when do you guys tip off uh, next week? Will be Monday at three fifteen. Oh, so you've got a pretty short turnaround then. Uh, usually, you get like a good week or so, and 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 you guys are, oh geez, five days or so, and then and then you got to let it rip. So uh, how, uh, you know, this is, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, you know, this is not your your first trip down to Wells Fargo Arena there in downtown Des Moines. Um, what have you learned over the years in in your trips down to to the state tour? I think you, I think this is trip number eight, if I remember correctly, from the stuff that you sent me. Uh, you know, how are you handling trip number eight? Maybe a little bit differently, or what have you learned in those eight trips out as to how to make the the uh, experience better, uh, to to streamline the experience, to get your team prepared as much as you can heading into the state tournament. Good question. You know, it's one of those that I remember the first year uh, our team made it. I was at the the first school I coached at, Nevada High School, and it just was a blur. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to get paperwork into the state, and you got to get buses lined up. You got to get this and that, and so uh, I remember it just kind of being a blur. And after you've gone a couple of times, you just kind of know the process. 
mm-hmm. the, the people you got to talk to, the things you got to get planned, uh, which as a coach it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you know, as far as our players, you still try to keep it exciting. You know, some of our players are, it's their first time with us on varsity. So their first uh, trip going to state. And so it's still an exciting um, event and you want to keep that excitement, but not let the focus be just that it's a big game and the environment and try to keep it on, you know, what we've been doing all season, the preparation, the the practicing, and just try to prepare, um, not really like just a regular game, but also try to ease some of the nerves. Yeah. How, uh, you know, how, you know, I think that's a great question because we got a lot of, a lot of people that listen to this, they're heading into big games, sub-state games, state tournament games. What are some ways that you try to get your kids to, to relax and enjoy the moment um, that you're willing to share with us? Sure. Well, one thing is just reminding them to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're, before we break down, you know, before they go for tip off, it's a couple points of emphasis and then have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just trying to even part of that is for me to remind myself to enjoy the experience. Um, but for us, we do a lot of prep work with film and scouting reports things and just within our practices so we try to remind the the players you know sometimes you're sitting in math class or a study hall and you're you're kind of nervous you're thinking about the game don't just worry about it draw up our plays drop the other team's plays you know Mm -hmm. if you can watch them film and so then if your mind is occupied you know kind of studying or planning then you're not going to worry you're not going to be as nervous so i think preparation has big been a big key for us just to try to keep things kind of consistent and then you feel a little bit more confident when you've put in the work to prepare Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay wise words there coach and and uh you know least lest i forget uh wish you nothing but the best next week i hope it goes really really well i hope your kids play as well as they possibly can and then you let the chips fall where they may so um you know so i you know go dowling that's that's what I can tell you right now. You're not playing the Sheldon Orabs, so I'm I, I can I can say that with confidence that I don't have any other vested rooting interest in the state of Iowa next week. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Chris, uh, let's kind of you know we kind of got a little bit sidetracked on the way that we normally start, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for for folks that don't know anything about you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your basketball journey. Um, how you got into coaching, uh, your coaching, your, your, your coaching journey here and, and how you ended up at West Des Moines Dowling. Sure. Well, I, I grew up playing multiple sports up in a small town in Northeast Iowa, old wine and, um, loved basketball out of all of them, but played volleyball, tennis, ran track and, um, ended up going to college at Iowa state, decided not to pursue a, a college, you know, playing, um, kind of career. And, and then, was at Iowa State, enjoyed it. But after about a year, I was like, man, I miss basketball. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how terrible winter was because winter always <laughs> meant basketball. And so then when I'm just, you know, walking to class and, and just doing regular life and you don't have basketball to look forward to, I was like, man, these Iowa winters are, are not very fun. <laughs> and so uh, I decided to apply for an assistant seventh grade basketball coaching job at Nevada Middle School. Okay. So you want to talk about lo- low man on the totem pole, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I got hired, you know, assistant coach for a, a seventh grade team uh, through the school and loved it. Just mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. Um, and so the next year, I ended up going up to the ninth grade coach because they had an opening. And then um, I also picked up middle school volleyball. 
you know, yeah. why not? I played volleyball in high school. I'll, I'll you know, enjoy coaching and, and just enjoy being, you know, around the kids and in the school. And then um, the following year, I actually picked up middle school track. So I was coaching three sports while I was going to college um, and just loving the whole thing. And I ended up getting a, a sport management degree and a coaching minor at Iowa State. Uh, but as I was coaching, as I was going to school, I really kind of figured out I love working with high school kids. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, going to Simpson in an adult learning program to get my master's degree in my business education teaching license, uh, which was probably the best decision I made because then I, I ended up getting hired at Nevada High School as a business ed teacher, which was a perfect fit. I had been coaching there for a number of years. The other business ed teacher uh, was the head girls basketball coach that I had been working with. I love working with him. And so it, it really just kind of all fit into place. And so I ended up, I did seventh grade assistant coach for one year. I did ninth grade uh, girls basketball coach for four years. And I did JV coach for two years. And then I became the varsity head coach uh, at Nevada. And I was the varsity coach for six years there. Loved every moment of it. And I was still coaching volleyball and track along with teaching business ed and computer classes. And um, in 2015, our team won the 3A state championship. Um, And then 2016, we were runners up uh, in 3A. And then I ended up, uh, there was an opening at Dowling Catholic and and things kind of fell into place. I wasn't necessarily looking to leave Nevada because I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the opportunity came up, you know, as, as you had mentioned earlier, Dowling Catholic is, is a powerhouse in girls basketball. Mm-hmm. And Bob and Sharon Hansen, who were the coaches uh, before me, they had won multiple state titles. And it was it's just known in Iowa yeah. as, as a, a great school, uh, great athletics, great people. And so I, you know, applied and went through the interview process and was fortunate enough to get hired. And this is my seventh year at mm-hmm. Dowling. It's, it's kind of hard to believe it's already been seven years, but I, I absolutely love it and have really just enjoyed working with the people, the players, the parents, the teachers, the students, um, and, and just really have, have a lot of fun every day when I go to work. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of read my mind there a little bit, Kristen. Uh, you know, what, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of cut your teeth, worked your way up the totem pole, uh, take over the varsity position there at Nevada, and then have you know, great success. You win a state championship, state runner-up the following year. Uh, you know, what was you know what was that process like of of leaving a place where you had had really invested in, but you knew that career-wise this was just you know too good of an opportunity to pass up. What was kind of the thought process that went in with all that stuff? I tell you what, it was, that happened in the spring of, of 2016, and I had a lot of sleepless nights, I'll say that, uh-huh. because I, I love Nevada, and I still love Nevada. I still keep in contact with, with some friends up there, um, and it's a great school, and I could have been happy there the rest of my career, mm-hmm. no no doubt in my mind. Um, you know. But when Dowling Catholic opportunity comes up, and, and Bob and Sharon Hansen had, were at Dowling for kind of on and off, but the majority of 30 years, you know, my, my thoughts were if I was going to leave Nevada, it would be for probably a 5A school just for the challenge of, you know, just a little bit more competitive basketball yep. and, and possibly a, a Catholic school. I went to a Catholic grade school and, and I thought, um, you know, that that would be a, a good fit for me. And so 
you know, when I was thinking about it, I said, well, if the next person gets hired, if they stay 30 years, then, <laughs> then I won't even have a shot because I don't think then uh, I'll be looking for new jobs uh, when I'm in my, you know, over 60. So, well, as a, um, as a veteran was, of as a veteran yeah. of Catholic schools for a long time, you could still go 30 years and you still might need to be working for a while yet. So I, I understand that. So. That's true, and I may coach into my 60s or 70s, but I don't know if I would have been looking for a new job uh, in my 60s. Um, but, yeah, that opportunity came up, and I met with Tom Wilson, the athletic director, Matt Meandering, the principal, at, about possibilities, and it was hard. It was a really hard decision, but but I kind of just felt like I needed to take the leap to, to take on that challenge, to try something new and just you know, experience uh, Dowling Catholic and, and give it a try. Mm-hmm. Did you did you talk to uh, some mentors? Did you did you bounce it off of people? How did you handle that process? Like you said, you know, a lot of sleepless nights, and it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough when you're making a decision when you're leaving a place and and you're looking into something else. Uh, you know, how did you how did you help narrow that down? Sure, I, I think probably the, the main people I went to. Um, were the people that I was closest with that, that taught and coached with me in Nevada. Uh, Carrie Thompson, who was the other business teacher I had coached uh, girls basketball with um, and has been a mentor of mine for a long time. I, I talked with him a number of times. Joel Fye, who was the boys' basketball coach, but then uh, he came over to be my assistant our last couple of years so he could kind of coach his daughter. Um, he was another one, um, Heidi Grimm, who I had taught and coached with. Like Just people that I really trusted and people that I knew would want me to stay in Nevada because I loved working with them, but also would want the best for me and want any opportunities um, for me to at least explore. And, and they all were supportive of me, you know, taking on the challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that probably made it a little bit easier for me. Um, You know, and it's only about a 40 minute drive or so uh, 30 to 40 up to Nevada. So still can go back and and forth and, um, and, but it was a hard decision, and I mean, the hardest thing was when you think about the players and, yeah. and that you know, you'd have to you know leave them. Um, but it's also kind of like every year when when your seniors graduate, you have new freshmen coming in, and so whether it's at Nevada or at Dowling Catholic, I knew I'd be getting you know a new group of of players every year, and so um, you know that kind of was exciting just to to get to meet new people and and you know, see what the 5A basketball scene was like. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned a couple of times Bob and Sharon Hansen, and, and like you said, uh, legends in the state. Uh, their, their success speaks for itself. Um, but I imagine there was, you know, in some ways you were looking at this going, I, I know these folks have been here. I know they've had tremendous success. And obviously I don't want to reinvent the wheel, but I've got my own philosophies i've got my own ideas and that that's not just limited to on the court it's it's off the court it's culture building it's it's those type of concepts as well so so what was that process like of stepping into the new job and into you know i have no qualms saying that it's a pretty legendary program in the state of iowa for girls basketball and and trying to decide you know, how much of this do I keep in place and how much of this are things that I want to change, so to speak, because I really feel like it's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You talk about big shoes to, uh, to step in to try to fill. And I think for me, 
what actually ended up working out really well is I never spoke with Bob and Sharon right after I was hired. Mm-hmm. They, I think, deliberately wanted to just give me space and, and let me kind of take the program where I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, it wasn't that I had to decide if I'm going to keep something or change something. I didn't even know necessarily how they did things. Uh-huh. So everything that I did was just, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. And so that that ended up working out pretty well. And there wasn't too much resistance from the players. I think, you know, for the most part, kids are pretty adaptable. And so it was just, this is how we do things. And there were some traditions and things that we kept that I didn't know about until a player or another coach was like, well, in the past, we've done this mm-hmm. if you want to keep it. And I, okay, players, do you want to keep that? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so th- that kind of worked out well, just having some of the coaches on staff had been there mm-hmm. uh, through Bob and Sharon. And so they were great resources. Tom Donahue, who's our JV uh, head coach, he had been there. He's been there for quite a few years and he was a great resource. Joel Danner, who's um, my lead assistant, he had been there for, um, I think, three years before I got there. And so just kind of having them as sounding boards of, okay, how have you done some things in the past? Do we like that or do we want to try something new? Um, but it's just kind of you, you work through it as you go. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know what that song means. It's time for the third annual A Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic. This year's clinic will take place on Saturday, April the 1st at Fort Calhoun High School in Fort Calhoun, Nebraska, just 20 minutes north of downtown Omaha. We've got a great lineup of speakers, starting with three great on-court demonstrations. Dick Jungers, the head girls basketball coach at Newell Fonda, Iowa, will start the day off with the ins and outs of his full-court run-and-jump defense that has led to multiple state championships. Dexter Goodner, the head girls basketball coach at Orton, Nebraska, will highlight his favorite shooting drills and his favorite sets, while Zach Foster, the head boys basketball coach at Hastings Adams Central High School here in Nebraska, will be showing us his 1-3-1 defense and the ins and outs of the mentality of shooters. One of the unique things about the Appendant and Napkin Coaches Clinic are our lunch classroom sessions. This year, we've got three great coaches giving classroom presentations. Brett Watson, the boys' head basketball coach at Waukee Northwest High School in Waukee, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines, is going to talk about coaching the mental game. Jake Nonnen, the head girls basketball coach at Superior High School here in Nebraska, is going to talk about developing your team and individuals through small-sided games, while Kylie Yates, the boys basketball coach at South O'Brien High School in Paulina, Iowa, is going to talk about implementing and also attacking the 2-3 zone. In addition to our presenters, we also have two designated breakout sessions where you will get the opportunity to discuss various topics with other coaches attending the clinic. These sessions are a great way to pick the brains of your peers at the clinic, and it's one of the most enjoyable points of our annual show. After a long day of learning about hoops, it'll be time to kick back and relax, and we'll be having an optional post-clinic social at the Longhorn in downtown Fort Calhoun, where we will be enjoying the opening game of the men's Final Four from Houston. It's $15 per coach to attend the post-game social. 
Our pen and a napkin clinic is one of the most affordable clinics in America. For over seven hours of learning, we only charge $45 for the first coach. Think about that. That's about $6.50 an hour to come in and gather all this great information. If you bring in two coaches from the same staff, we bring that down to $85 for two coaches. $115 for three coaches from the same staff. And if you bring four or more coaches from your staff, it's only $35 per coach. Think of it. That's $5 an hour that you're paying for your staff to come in and have a great day. If you're interested in signing up for our pen and a napkin clinic, look at our flyer on Twitter and mail it in, print it off, send it in. Or you could DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Registrations are due by Thursday, March the 30th, 2023. Coaches, don't miss out on one of the best coaches clinics in America. Come check out the A Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic. What, uh, you know, sometimes, you, you know, sometimes you come into a, a situation like a Dowling or whatever the, 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 the situation may be. Uh, your situation is Dowling. Now, you had experience at Nevada. You'd had some success. But there's a different type of expectation level, uh, probably at a Dowling than there is maybe at some other places. An, an average, uh, a great year for another school may be considered a down year at a Dowling or something like that. So, what is or what has that been like when it comes to uh, coaching in a in a school in a system that has. Uh, whether whether it's stated or not, you know that there's high expectations and a high standard that is expected to be met by uh, administration, by by families, by players, by the community at large, so forth and so on. How is how has that gotten for you as a, as an individual coach? Yeah, it, it's interesting because you you're exactly right. Uh, Dowling has very high standards academically, athletically, um, and it was a little bit of a change. I mean, I remember when we made it to state uh, in 2015 at Nevada, I mean, the excitement was unbelievable just making it to state. And then we ended up winning state that year. So obviously that's exciting, but just even to make the state because um, they hadn't been there in quite a few years, you Mm -hmm. know? And so you go from that to a Dowling Catholic where state is kind of the expectation Mm -hmm. for almost every sport. And it's not necessarily stated, Almost everyone does it every year. And so it's a little bit like you want to kind of keep up with everyone else. And it can be a little intimidating. Uh, you can feel a little bit of the pressure. But the, the good side of it is when you're around people in a building or, or you know, in different sports where the, the expectations are success and excellence, then that's just kind of what you do every day. Mm-hmm. The work ethic in the weight room. The, the work ethic and speed and agility in practice, you can you can push players a little bit more because the standard is high all the time. And so that's been been really interesting to see. I love, you know, peeking in on other sports practices and see how they do things, talking with teachers about how they keep high expectations in their classroom um, has really helped. And then I love our, our girls basketball program because I think the tradition in it, it is really rich and our players pass that down to the younger ones. You know, the expectation, it's a privilege to wear Dowling Catholic girls basketball jersey. Uh And with that privilege, there comes some expectations. Uh And it takes some work and it takes some preparation. It takes some sacrifice. 
but the rewards are great. And then uh-huh. you get to be able to pass that down to the, the player who's younger than you. Uh-huh. How have your players done that? What are some ways that they have done that uh, since you've been there? Well, I think number one is just by example. Uh-huh. You know, you show up and, and you're coming to work. And, and we don't, I don't like to use the word work hard. It's uh-huh. play, you uh-huh. know. Basketball is a game, and it's a fun game. And so we're going to play hard. We're going to compete. We're going to get after it because that, that's what makes it fun. Uh-huh. And so I think just every day um, having our, our upperclassmen, our leaders, just bring the joy but also the competitiveness. And then you see it in the weight room. And, then, and they'll come out and just say, hey, that's not how we do things around here. Or uh-huh. this is how we do things. You know. And so I think it's little things every day where you're just the example and then they can tell stories about other players that they played with that are already graduated to the younger girls, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is what this player did. And this is what that player did. And this is what I learned. And then all of a sudden you want to make that player proud. You want mm-hmm. to make, you know, the community proud. So I think it's just a lot of little things, mm-hmm. but we try to be pretty intentional about pointing those things out. Mm-hmm. Well, you had a heck of a player that made you look probably a little smarter than you really are. A few years ago, uh, a few folks may have heard of her. Uh, pretty, you know, she's she's had a little bit of a run here in her college career. Uh, Miss Clark over there in Iowa City, Caitlin Clark. Uh, you know, it had to be a unique experience, coach, to to coach uh, one of the highest re, one of the most recruited players uh, in the country during that recruiting cycle, and and to have a player who's not only had that type of attention uh, during her recruiting process, but you know, obviously she's doing what she's doing over there for Coach Bluter and the Hawkeyes. So, you know, kind of tell us a little bit, you know, what was that What was that experience like coaching Caitlin, going through uh, the process that you went through, trying to keep the attention on the team, but it's, you know, you kind of got a little bit of a rock star with you there that, that not only everybody in the city of Des Moines knows who she is, but everybody in the state knows and, and people around the country know. Uh, knew who Caitlin was even before she was done with high school. So what what was that experience like for you as a head coach? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So Caitlin and I both came to Dowling Castle like the same year. Okay. She was a freshman my my first year at Dowling. And to be honest, when I was hired, I didn't know anything about her. Uh-huh. You know, and, and maybe I had heard about this, you know, eighth grade phenom in the state, but you know, when I was at Nevada, I'm preparing for state. I'm looking at all the other 3A schools, and, sure. and I'm worried about you know yep. who they are, and I'm not looking at you know even finding out who eighth graders are down in Des Moines type of thing. Yeah. And so after I was hired, then all of a sudden I hear that there's this this really talented you know incoming ninth grader, and I'm thinking, okay, great, well, yeah, we'd love to have her. And then I go and watch her play um, like AAU ball, and she's playing up you know two or three grades. I'm like, oh, this is. <laughs> A very, a very talented player. Um, and then, then the summer before her freshman year, she hadn't even, you know, entered a class at Dowling. And I'm getting phone calls from top 10 uh, college-ranked, you know, coaches. Mm-hmm. And and and, and I, I just point blank asked one of them, how good is she? Because sometimes it's hard to tell when, you know, you're used to high school players. And, yes, I sure. see she's very good. But I don't know, you know, the UConn recruits. I don't know some of these other Stanford recruits like – these college coaches, they know. Yeah. And um, one one of the coaches said, if she was old enough, she would play, or and I think even start for us right now. And this mm. was before Caitlin was a freshman, and this was a, a top 10 college team. And I was like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that was, you know, just kind of like, okay, this is what we have. And, um, I mean, the recruitment was looking back, it was pretty wild just because there were so many coaches and schools interested and, oh. and she deserved all of them. Sure. Um, and so I, I got to give her parents and her a lot of credit for just being really intentional in the recruiting process. And, and Caitlin, you know, was pretty limiting with her time. So she's not talking to college coaches all the time. Some of them called and, Hey, can we set up a, a weekly phone call with Caitlin? And I, you know, went, went through her parents and they can decide whatever. And they're like, we, we don't need to do that. You know, she's, she's still focusing on just high school stuff. And so trying to, to balance the recruiting, but also not let it get overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought her family did a, a great job with that. But um, uh, from my point of view, I love talking basketball. I love talking with college coaches. So they called often, and we talk about Caitlin, but then I get to ask them a few questions, X's and O's or mm-hmm. culture or leadership or whatever. Um, so I learned a ton uh, over those couple of years just from, from talking with different coaches. Um, but, yeah, as far as Caitlin's high school career, oh, man, I, I even sometimes now go back and, and pull up some of the game footage or highlights. And, um, you know, as talented as she is now as a junior in college, she stood out even more on the high school court, sure. you know. And, and she had to mature through throughout high school with her skill-wise and, and just as a, a leader and as a, a person. Um, but I, I really enjoyed coaching her. What you see on TV and her personality is exactly her yeah. when you meet her. And her big smile, and she's she's goofy, and she's telling jokes, and and she's so personable. Mm-hmm. That's how she is all the time. Mm-hmm. And then she steps onto the basketball court, and she is the most competitive person you will ever meet in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but she balances that goofiness and the fun, and just enjoying life with I'm here to win every single possession. Mm-hmm. What uh, what was maybe the most surprising? thing that happened throughout that whole process what was the thing that you know looking back on it now and now you have the uh you have the privilege of two or three years of perspective and, and kind of going you know being able to look back on it and and uh you know so so what's the one or two things that you really you know think back on that whole experience with Caitlin over those four years and going through this whole process that you're like yeah that was pretty crazy that that happened or that was pretty crazy that I spent this much time with this person or what, whatever it may be. What, you know, what would you be willing to share with us about that? Well, as far as the recruiting process, you know, one thing that I sometimes tell people is there was just, I mean, I don't even know how many colleges that were interested, but I remember before Caitlin was old enough to get, you know, text messages and phone calls herself, they, they'd come to me and then I'd pass them on to either her or her parents. And, it felt just a little creepy when it was her birthday. And I swear I got 45 text messages to tell a, a 16 year old happy birthday, um, you know, from, from middle-aged men and women who are college coaches. Yep. Uh, but, but it just looking back, you're like, that's, that's strange, but th- that's also their job. And, you know, yeah. they need to reach out and do that. Um, but as far as on the court, you know, now that I've gotten to see her play at the highest level in college, Looking back, sometimes, and, and I've told her this, she was almost too good for high school. Mm-hmm. And, and it's kind of hard to imagine like that, but there's times where it was hard for her to play high school basketball. Yeah. Whether the, the, the pace was a little bit too slow or, um, you know, she wasn't always happy sometimes with, with fouls because her attacking the basket and her ball handling was so good. 
I mean, honestly, there probably was a foul almost every possession as people are just trying to keep close enough so she doesn't hit a step back over them, yeah. you know, or it just different things within the game that um, now when, when she gets to play with all these top-tier D1 athletes and, um, you know, in just this, this big environment, it, it, the game's almost easier for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just always appreciated that she walked into the gym, she always had a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. Whether it was, you know, the first day of practice, the end of the season, in the summer, like you talk about a passion and a love for basketball, that is Caitlin Clark. And, and I thought that was just so cool to see firsthand and, and how she was able to just to spread that that love for the game with people watching, people coaching, the, the people playing, um, and, and you see that now when you watch her on TV or if you get to see her in person. Mm-hmm. You uh, you're at a private school, um, and so you have, I'm sure, numerous parishes that that feed in the vast majority of your kids to your to to, to Dowling, uh, there in Des Moines, and uh, you know that's great. There's certain advantages. Uh, obviously, of being in a in a metro high school, uh, a private school in a metro area, uh, but there are also some disadvantages. And one of the things that uh, when I was coaching in, in a private school in a metro area here in Omaha was it, it never felt like we could really get our our youth system going the way that I really wanted it to, the way I really intended it to. And as I was getting ready for tonight, I, I noticed, you know, you guys have a lot of stuff on your website about your 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 Dowling youth development teams and, and stuff like that. So what has that process been like for you? Obviously, you're not a unified school system. You know, let's say we go 30 miles to the north there to, let's say, an Ames or something like that. It's a, it's a, it's a 4 or 5A school, but all those kids in Ames are going to go to Ames High pretty much, you know, and so they can kind of unify that. Whereas in Dowling, you're just kind of getting kids from all over the city um, and you don't know where a lot of them are coming from and they might make different choices and things like that. So how have you tried to develop a, a youth program at Dowling while also uh, realizing and trying to get past that? Well, you know, this kid could go to here or here. They don't have to come to Dowling. They choose to come to Dowling type of a thing and, and trying to get those kids to come to school there. Yeah, as you said, it's both a challenge and and a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have either nine or eleven, you know, feeder schools. Uh, all of our team, our, our current varsity team, attended one of our our private elementary schools, and so a lot of the the parochial school students do end up coming to Dowling. But as you said, they don't necessarily have to. Mm-hmm. And what's tough is because there's so many different elementaries, it's hard to to like push out information sometimes, or or they're not all unified um and so a youth program it's been a challenge and i think i was in my second year at dowling when uh, i worked with some parents to create dcbc dowling catholic basketball club um for sixth seventh and eighth grade teams and we we got coaches and you know you can try out and and things like that and to be honest we're kind of phasing it out Mm -hmm. And, and part of it's because it's hard to get everyone unified together. And part of it is the, the club basketball system, um, you know, here in the, the Metro and in Iowa is, is really booming. So it's, you have kids going to different clubs and, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it's hard to, to keep it all together. And the organization piece is, is a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we do summer youth camps and, and we try to, to, to hit a lot of kids there as far as just get them in our doors, get them excited, you know, invite uh, students to 
to the varsity games. We had a uh, parochial nights uh, this year where we had you know kindergarten through second grade, and then we had third through fifth and sixth through eighth grade. Um, we had a night that we invited all eighth graders. Um, that play basketball to come, you know, sit behind the bench, come do pregame with us. And so it's trying to find some different things like that. I mean, when I was at Nevada, there was one elementary school and, and then you were going to go to the middle school and then you were going to go to the high school. And so that was just so much easier to organize things and to, to get the word out and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, we're trying to explore some different possibilities besides just a, a one week summer camp or something like that. What it, what I'm really interested in, and, and I'm not sure how much work it'll take, but I think the most important thing is to get little girls excited about basketball. Yeah. Because then if they're excited and they want to play, there's enough club opportunities and YMCA and, and different places that they can play without me having to help organize the teams. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind doing something for like third and fourth grade, like a three-on-three league and some skill work um just to get them excited get them playing and then as they continue they can you know go out to different programs and then once you come to dowling we're back together Uh um but i think three on three on three is fantastic Uh for any age group but especially little kids and just keeping it fun making it exciting you know right now caitlin clark has not only gotten people at dowling catholic excited about basketball she has gotten people across the u.s excited about basketball Mm -hmm. and so even you know using some of that our our team that we've got this year our varsity team i've heard from a number of people about how fun they are to watch and so we're trying to get these you know little girls to come to our games because if you see it look how much fun they're having i want to be part of that Mm -hmm. you know and so it's just trying to get kids excited about it offer some opportunities um and then a little bit we'll see you when you're in ninth grade yeah (laughs) exactly coaches do you want to look good Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. All right, coach, at this time, uh, we were, we're going to transition here a little bit. We're going to go and, and discuss a little Coach Wooden here. We're going to throw a little John Wooden out there. Are you ready for a little John Wooden, coach? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, we have the John Wooden quote of the day um, from Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. And I pick out a Wooden quote every week from almost every week. I don't get it every week. Sometimes I forget the book at home and then I do my prep it or I I forget the book at school and then I do my prep at home and that type of thing. But this week uh, we we do have it. We do have the book. We do have a direct quote from the book. So uh, I'm going to read the quote here, Coach, and then feel free to, to comment on it. So, uh, Coach Meyer, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I am ready. All right. So, from page 74 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. I valued a player 
who cared for others and could lose himself in the group for the good of the group. Understanding that the good of the group comes first is fundamental to being a highly productive member of a team. Wow, that's that's good. Anything from John Wooden is good, but man, I love that. That that quote makes me think of my two seniors that we have right now, Julia Moore and Lauren Frerichs. And they're both four-year varsity players, but just within the last two years have really stepped into leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about the team coming first. That's what those two girls are about. And, and whether that means they have to set the example then for their teammates to follow of effort, preparation, um, you know, focus, or it's, it's having conversations with individual teammates to make sure they're ready to go, or it's taking care of the just, you know, locker room stuff or organizing, you know, team events and things. Um, but I think that is so key to a good solid team is having players who put the team first. And I think the key to that is genuinely loving your teammates. You get to know them, you respect them, but when you genuinely love them and you want to be around them, it's easier to, to pass up a shot that you want to take to throw to your teammate. That's got a better one. You know, Mm -hmm. it's easier to dive from the ground for a ball, even though your knee kind of hurts because you banged it up Mm -hmm. because you know, the team needs that. It's Mm -hmm. easier to sprint the court or to do the things that maybe you don't want to do but you know the team needs you to do them. And so uh, I love that quote, and, and I'm, I feel really blessed that I've got a lot of players that I think kind of live up to that. Well, and that's how you end up in the state tournament. And to get ready for the state tournament, Coach, you got to do some scouting. And so we're going to start talking about your philosophy here, Coach. Uh, and and the, number, you know, the number one thing I thought we'd talk about here this week is, is scouting, and, and you're getting ready uh, for first-round game. Uh, time to get time to get after it at the well, and, and and obviously you guys have done a great job so far this year with your with your scouting and preparation to, to get to this point. Uh, so so tell us a little bit about your scouting philosophy, what you look for, how you prepare your team, how you get your kids ready, just anything and everything that you want to dive into with their coach. And uh, I will at, at, at probably at a couple of different points, I will politely try to interrupt you and, and ask a question here. So please. You know, bear with my lack of manners, maybe a little bit if I interrupt you, not in the perfect way. But uh, just tell us a little bit about your scouting and, and, and what you guys are doing here to get ready for the state tournament. Sure, and I'm happy to share anything and everything. So throw questions at me whenever you want to. Okay. Um, as far as scouting, you know, it's something that I think is very important, but you can't let take over everything. You mm-hmm. know, because with huddle and the availability of film, you could watch. 48 hours straight of film and and your mind would be mush, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's um, what we try to do is we'll try to watch, you know, two to three games of the opponent, depending on, you know, who it is and the time of the year and things like that. But we try to find if we know enough about their opponent teams that are some similar to us. So we're a man to man defensive team. So it's not going to do us a lot of good if we're watching a game where um, the person we're preparing for, they're playing against a zone. You know, and so I think doing a little bit of prep work that way to even know which which games to watch. And then from there, um, so Joe Danner, my assistant coach, and I do the majority of the scouting. And then Audrey Faber, our other assistant coach, does some of the tweaks and adjustments. Um, And so Joel and I will go through games and we'll just mark clips and put in, you know, two, three zone here or 
look how they defend the corner um, or whatever it is. And so we go through and, and as we're taking notes, we mark those so then our players will go back and watch the things that we mark. We don't need them to go watch a full game, but they need to watch the things that we mark. And, you know, things that we're looking for, Joel does more of the other team's offense, oh. and he does a fantastic job as far as he has all their plays. There are the majority of them. You don't need to overload your own players. Yep. We'll probably pick four or five of their most common plays, and he has them ready to go. And then if we have a scout team, we try to bring in some high school boys to be a scout team. Then in practice, he can take the scout team and have them learn some of the plays. Um, so then our, our defense can go against it. Mm-hmm. And then um, as far as what we're looking for offensively, um, Audrey and I are more the offensive-minded where – and I think we've gotten better this year, especially of trying to really pinpoint what are the other team, what is the other team trying to do defensively? How do they defend a ball screen? How do they defend a corner drive? How do they defend the post? So not just you know man zone this that, but but things that we can work on. So then in practice we can try to stimulate. Mm-hmm. Okay, when we drive, the help is going to come from the ball side corner. So we're going to work on that. Or where does, does the help come from the post? We're going to work on that. Does the help come from the weak side corner? And so trying to simplify it, but give our players keys to look for. And, and what are we expecting? And Audrey and I started doing that and adjusting that in early January. And uh, a number of, of factors have led to this, but I think we're on a 16-game winning streak. And that was one of the, the little adjustments we made, but that was a big one for us especially offensively, is trying to really be precise in what we're looking for of what our players will see in the game so then we can practice that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you got the two or three games. You've got your system down. How do you package it? How do you present it to your kids? You know, we've tried it a couple of different ways. Um, what I found has worked well, at least since covid we do a lot of our film work where the, the girls just watch it on their own. We used to, you know, in a room, sit down and watch film together, and I'd kind of narrate. Um, but our players are pretty good about liking to watch film on their own and, you know, when it works for them. And so the majority of film, they watch what we mark up. And we'll tell them which games to watch and, and things like that. Um, but the film work is a lot of that individual. And then um, we will come up with a, a scouting report. We've kind of changed versions of that over the years. We now are at a one-page front and back scouting report. Uh, the front page is basically statistics for individual players and, you know, little tidbits, leading rebounder, likes to go to her right, um, kind of individual. And then the backside is more of the team things. What are we expecting from them offensively? What are we expecting defensively? Uh, what is our game plan offensively and defensively? And then keys to success. Mm-hmm. And so we, we give out the scouting reports. Um, the players actually take time to highlight them. So we, we have time where they read them and highlight them, uh, just like you studying for a test uh, before practice. And then uh, our players are really good about pregame or if they're at home, reading back over it to then know, um, know what to expect. And the other thing that's been great with Huddle, if you if you have the unlimited where they'll do the, the stats for you, mm-hmm. if you put in some games of the opponent – then you can get to click on, okay, I'm going to guard number five. I want to see all the shots she's taken in these five games that we have, you know, in huddle. So you click on that and you can see the, the 27 shots that number five took 
oh, she likes to go to her right almost every time. Oh, she likes to shot fake and drive to her left. Mm-hmm. You know, and just little things like that, to, they start seeing those and, and you kind of realize some tendencies instead yeah. of just a coach saying, she likes to shot fake and go to her left. When you see it on film, it, it's easier to recognize in person. Uh-huh. Uh, so when you get to practice, when you get to practice, how much time do you spend walking through uh, Des Moines Hoover stuff. I'll just pick a random metro school there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Des Moines Hoover. You know, how do you how do you walk through it on the floor with your kids? How much time do you spend on it? What do you? What's the normal thing that you do? Sure. And you know, by second half of the season, we're practicing probably an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, because we play Tuesdays and Fridays, we usually have two days of prep. You know, so it's either Sunday Monday to prep. We, we practice on Sundays and not Saturdays. Um, or it's Wednesday, Thursday to prep. And so that first day, and again, it's helpful if we can find some high school guys to come in and be a scout team. So then you don't have to teach your own players the other team's offense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they struggle enough trying to remember our own plays. Um, and so if we can, you know, ideal situation, we bring in five high school guys that are just willing to come in and play. And uh, we usually start practice shooting warm up. We've been really intentional about trying to shoot at least 20 to 40 minutes every day this year. And, mm-hmm. and that's paying off for us. So the, the shooting warm-up, we try to get up and down a little bit. And then if we have some scout team guys there, they go with Coach Danner, Joel, and he just teaches them, you know, maybe four or five set plays or the offensive movements, maybe two inbounds. Mm-hmm. And we give them about 10 to 12 minutes for that. While that's going on, we might be working four-on-four four our offensive movements. You know, and especially if we think, let's say the other team is going to help from the corner. So we're working on, okay, four on four offensive movements or five on five or three on three, whatever it is. The help's coming from here. Read it, make the decision, and then execute. And then after we've done that, then we'll go usually, I'd say, 15 minutes where the guy scout team is running the other team's sets and and offensive movements and, and inbounds plays while our girls are defending them. And we'll, we like to run, you know, through each one probably four or five times so we can rotate some players because throughout the game, different people will guard different sure. uh, different players. Yep. So we kind of just go through that. Um, and that's usually just half court. And then we'll do it where, okay, guys, scout team, you are the other team's defense. So Joel's in charge of that. You tell them how to defend. And we'll work, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, our offensive movements against that, um, that defense. And then if we have time, we'll go maybe 10 minutes of up and down. We like to do three possessions uh, where we usually start half court in our offense or a set play. And then you play that out and you transition to defense. So the, the guy scout team is running one of their sets. And then we transition back to offense. So you get a little up and down, but it's not real extended. You can start with a set play and then get some transition in that as well. And then we usually end with free throw. So it's it's probably 40 minutes. Uh, of scout prep, you know, and, and sometimes if we don't have guys who can make it in or different things, we might just walk through their movements. Um, you know, so it just kind of depends on time of the season and, and who's available. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you're getting ready, obviously, 
Uh, you've been very successful with your with your half court defensive philosophy. Uh, you know what? Let's let's dive into there, uh, Coach. Uh, what is your your half court defensive philosophy? What are you looking at? Uh, you know, and and how you know how many adjustments do you make from game to game? Uh, why do you do what you do? Why do you like what you do? Maybe uh, tell us a little bit of drill work that you do to implement what you do. Uh, you know, just uh, again, very broad question. We'll continue to narrow down on it. So, tell us a little bit about your half court defensive philosophy, Kristen. Well, the number one thing in the philosophy is don't let them score. You know, pretty simple, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty simple, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess our, our base defense, we call it shade left. Um, and, you know, there's there's different people out there. Um, there's a guy from Canada who calls it, uh, I think, force weekend. Tyler Costin calls it lock left. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Henderson who's at South Dakota State. Yep. Um, he does a shade left. And so I've, I've studied, you know, a number of different things. And we've been doing this for a number of years where we, we would like the ball handler, if they're going to drive, they have to drive to their left, you know, and for the majority of players, it's their weak hand. Mm-hmm. And we don't completely force left. It's We call it a shade left. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of our on-ball philosophy. As far as our, our one away, we're in gap. And they're clogging up the driving lanes. I, I think driving to the basket strong is really, really hard to defend. And so if you can have a body clogging it up and then that player doesn't even attempt to drive, that's a win, mm-hmm. you know, and you're in gap where you're close enough that you can guard the shooter, but you're, you're providing help. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have just regular help defender who's, you know, if you're two away, you get to the middle of the lane type of thing. Um, you know, one important principle for us is do not leave a corner shooter. So if you're in gap and they're driving your side, you do not hope from the corner, no, from no, the ball what, side corner. What's your What's because your thought I, with that? What's your thought with that? I know. Ahead. I know. In the NBA, they say, "Well, it's it's a it's a foot or so shorter from the corners than it is from above the break." Uh, in high school, you know, it's it's nineteen nine all the way around. So, uh, just just curious, uh, what, what what's the what's the philosophy behind that? Uh, number one, it's a wide open three. Yeah. I think the corner three is the most wide open three you see. I know for us offensively. We, I mean, and, and how our offense is set up, it kind of lends itself, but the majority of our three-point shots come from corners. Okay. And I think when you help from the corner, you're just giving up a wide-open corner three. And I don't want to give up a wide-open corner. I don't want to give up a wide-open three to anyone. Sure. But especially at corner three, because that's an easy pass if mm-hmm. the help is there. Mm-hmm. And so then if we have the help rotating, you know, from the, the middle of the lane, and, and the weak side, it's a little bit harder to maybe stride, stop, and throw it back to the other side, and then our defender would have time time to get there. Okay. So just the number one thing is we're not giving up an open three-point shot. Okay. Okay. Just curious. Just curious. Just, you know, just breaking it down mm-hmm. here. There's a thousand ways to skin a cat in this game, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're all right and they're all wrong. So I was just, just kind of wondering there. So, uh, again, uh, keep, keep going with, with your philosophy. You're talking about gaps. You're talking about taking away gaps. Uh, not helping off the corner. What else do you have when it comes to your half-court uh, defense, Coach? Uh, I'd say the other kind of big thing that, that we, we focus on is our, our ball screen defense. Okay. And to stay with the shade left principles, if if the screen is on the right side uh, of the ball handler, and usually that's on the left wing, then we would ice that. Some people call it a down it, mm-hmm. where you don't let use the screen and then we we call the the screeners defender they're in contain mm-hmm. so if 
Um, if my girl has the ball and, and they're trying to screen her, I am way up forcing sideline. Or if my girl's the one defend or setting the screen, I am in contain, which we explain as taking away a straight line drive. And so it's that's been really good to us. It forces that ball handler to stay on the left side of the floor, which a lot of times they're not as good at dribbling and, and passing with their left hand. Um, and then with on the right side of the floor, the ball screens to the middle, we use the terms funnel. So number one, you have to make the ball handler use the screen. I think ball handlers don't reject screens as much as they should. Mm-hmm. And I don't think defenses funnel into the screen or force them to use the screen as much as they should. Mm-hmm. And so we're big on it's funnel and then we still have the contain and the contain just helps. So you, you don't turn the corner and go a straight line drive. Uh, we don't, we don't really hedge. We don't really trap. Um, sometimes we'll go under with our funnel, but usually we're over mm-hmm. the screen with the, the on ball girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I tell you what, our, our players have gotten pretty good at defending ball screens. I mean, last night against Iowa city West who is a really, really good team that runs a lot of ball screens it made it tough for them because yeah. we just, we still had the gap presence. So there wasn't driving lanes, um, but they didn't seem to, to get slips. They didn't get straight line drives off of ball screens. Um, so that's an area that, that I've been really proud of our, our girls just, just working hard to do the little things needed to defend the ball screens. Well, what are some things that uh, you and your staff do in practice to to develop that philosophy of the the lock left or the the shade left as you call it uh working on those ball screen stuff i mean uh is it a lot of shell or or, you know some people are just hey we just do shell and we just talk through shell consistently a lot of people are we're going to run a zillion breakdown drills and then bring it all together kind of what's your philosophy of building your defense coach sure and i think early in the season we we do a few breakdown drills um, you know, listening to a lot of different podcasts, reading books, different things, um, and, and thinking about when I was a player, I didn't want to do breakdown drills. Those aren't fun. I want to play, you know, and I think yeah. most kids want to play. And I think you can teach while playing. So there are times that we'll slow things down, um, but uh, we call it cutthroat. I'm sure different people call it different things, where a lot of times it's four on four. Some people, it's kind of like a shell drill, but we're really going live. So it's four on four live with our defensive principles. So we have coaches are watching for, and it might be one thing at a time. Number one, it's shade left. If your player drives right, you're out. And your team scores a point if you get a defensive stop without giving up an offensive rebound. Uh So it's kind of, the scoring is kind of flipped and you want to then stay on defense. And so we're also trying to get that. We want to play defense mentality. And so we play cutthroat quite a bit especially you know early season where it's and it might be four on four or five on five and if you give up something that you're not supposed to you give up a right-handed drive or you don't defend a ball screen correctly or you're you help from the corner boom your team is out next team in you know we're just moving through it pretty quick and and it that gets pretty competitive because you're also working the offense there you know Mm -hmm. because then offensively you're trying to make it hard for the other team to guard you. So you mm-hmm. have to be kind of crafty. You have to be thinking, and there's freedom in it. And so our, our players really enjoy playing that just to to play hard but get to play the game while working on those principles. So I, I'd say that's probably the biggest one, and it's just having one or two points of focus in a drill. I don't think you can say we're going to play cutthroat. We're looking for every single defensive principle. 
That's mm-hmm. too much for players to think about. You know, and eventually you might get to that, but early yeah. on, it's literally one thing at a time. It's on ball, shade left. Uh-huh. And once we have that down, that might be day one. Yeah. Okay, now it's on ball, shade left, and it's proper gap help. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah. it's building it up to not give players too much to think about, yep. um, but also so they can be successful. Yep, and, and then, you know, one of the things that we've done in the past is once you feel like they've got it kind of figured out, then you say, okay, you're not getting off the floor until it is absolute perfection for X amount of possessions, you know, and, and we are going to lock in defensively for these amount of perf- uh, of, of per, uh, possessions here in the shell just to kind of ante that up a level. And they know, okay, I have to be here. And again, you know, you don't want to do it for eight possessions or whatever, but hey, three three perfect possessions and you're done. And, and I, that's something that we've done kind of building onto that, that gets them to, okay, now we've got to put all the pieces together and have it flow all together and make it work all together consistently so that we can get off the floor or whatever. Or you say, you know, if you get, let's say it's three teams, you got three teams of five. Hey, the first team that puts together three perfect possessions of shell wins the, wins the drill and you make it a competitive thing like that. That's, that's some things that we've done in the past. Have you, have you done some, uh, some stuff like that coach? You know, we don't usually go the, the in a row, um, uh-huh. but I like that. And I can see how kids would, would love playing that. And it, the way that we do our cutthroat, it's, it's pretty similar, but, you know, it's just first team to get five points or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think, as you said, when when players know exactly what you're looking for and how they can be successful and it's competitive, that's fun. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't mind them playing defense. And they almost enjoy it because when I play good defense, that's why I win the game even though the game of basketball is all about scoring points. And, yep. and that's very important, but you have to be able to find ways to get players to buy into defense and to take pride in it. And if they can win a game because they got defensive stops, then that helps them you know, enjoy playing defense more. Mm-hmm. Coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Uh Coach, let's talk a little bit about it, and uh, you're, you're willing to talk about it. And I think this is an important thing to talk about and for coaches to develop a philosophy on, and, and that is how to communicate and work with your parents. I, I, any, I think we are in a day and age, you know, 40 years ago, you could get away with not really having a lot of communication with parents, and that's just the way things were. But it's, it's not the way that it is anymore. And, and so 
when you when you put that down on the survey, I was like, okay, we're definitely going to be talking about this. So so tell us a little bit about your philosophy of of communicating with parents, of working with parents, of of making sure that you can do as much as you can to get as many parents on the same page with you as possible year in and year out. You know, it's one of those things that we all want the same thing for these kids. You know, we want them to be successful. We want our team to be successful. Um, And, you know, being part of any school or community, the parents are part of that. And and so we're kind of on this journey together. And I I just have been really lucky or uh, maybe because I take the time to get to know a lot of them. I work with some great parents. And so I I really enjoy getting to know them. And and when when you you work with their, their son or daughter, so so much you know like hours and hours um and you respect that player so much you have some admiration for the parent and and how they've raised their their son or daughter Mm -hmm. and so um i think part of it is just being willing to have conversations with parents and and get to know them a little bit you know just just whether it's through email or when you see them at at different you know family catholic functions and things um but i think that that's kind of where it starts um you know a lot of kids their schedules are so full yep. right now with love sports, other sports, working, school. Um, and, and in my opinion, like our players are pretty good about communicating with me. But there's times that, you know, a parent will send me their schedule for something or it's, hey, we're looking at scheduling a family vacation, you know, this time in the summer. Do you guys have anything planned? So even those types of just things to work through, when you have a good working relationship, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and then I, I think the the parent meeting that you have at the beginning of the season is really important. Mm-hmm. I think you know, and I, I've done different things at different parent meetings um, this year because we returned the majority of our our players. You know, that that played varsity last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew playing time. I mean, it is it's a big deal all the time. But I knew yeah. this year it would especially be because there wasn't necessarily we were returning so much. Yeah, and so just even just having that that conversation about it. Yeah. You know, it, it, some people do the, I'm not going to talk about playing time, which is fine if you want to do that way, um, do it that way, or some people will talk about it. I don't have an issue talking about playing time because it is what it is. Yeah. You know, like you can see, I can't hide how much your daughter plays. Like you can see on the clock. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and everyone sees it differently and any, you know, there's, there's no right answer necessarily to playing time. And so I even this year had our parents do an activity that I had our players do where, and they didn't share it with anyone, but the list of, of players were there and, and how many minutes we get, yep. you know, for a game. I've done and that so before. Yep. Parents, this is, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And you do the math, you know, and then adjust it because it can't be more than, what is it, 160 minutes, yep. 32 minutes times five positions. Yep. And just for them to even see how hard it is. Yep. Because that's really hard, even for, for the players to do that. You're like, well, I, I would like to play 30 minutes. We all would, but yeah. then who's who's which one of your teammates is not going to play very much? Yeah, you know. And then after we did that, it was, you know, parents would any of you want to show it to everyone else in the room? And even if anyone would have said yes, I would not have asked them to. But most people are like, no, like this is just for me to write down. And it's like, well, as a coaching staff, we're showing it to everyone. You know, because we have to actually decide. And every single parent's, you know, playing time, their minute sheet, they probably wouldn't match each other. Sure. You know, because parent one would not match parent two. And neither one is right or wrong, but but it just is. 
you know. Yeah. So I think doing some things like that to try to be transparent mm-hmm. um, can be a good thing just to to show that coaching decisions yep. can be hard. Yep. You know, when we did that with the players, it shows, like, it's hard to decide who doesn't get very many minutes. Yeah. But I like all of you, and you all yeah. bring different characteristics, but the refs will only let me put five girls out there at a time. Yep. Um, and so some of those hard conversations – um, I feel comfortable enough, at least now where I'm at and, and, and my coaching and my experience and, and with the, the parents that I have to just have a transparent conversation um, about that. You know, another thing, we go up to uh, Minnesota to the, the Twin Cities Thanksgiving tip-off tournament um, every year over Thanksgiving, play two games, and a lot of the families come up. We take a, a charter bus with the team, and so you get to see some of the parents you know, in between games or at the hotel, you know, so which is kind of fun just to, to get to, you know, chat a little bit and get to know them better. So I think that has helped just build relationships. Um, as far as during the season, I send a weekly email it's every Sunday with, you know, a few things, the schedule for the week. So they know practices and games, um, some highlights from the previous games that we had last week, you know, thanking parents that they hosted a, a team dinner type of thing and just kind of what's upcoming. So I try to just throw that all out there so they don't have questions. You know, mm-hmm. what night um, is practice going to be late? Are we taking a bus? What time does it leave? And so I think just even being detailed with just some of those just kind of mundane things to, to put them out there just helps open that line of communication. Mm-hmm. Um but, but I, I, I really enjoy, you know, the parents that I've gotten to work with. And like I said before, we're, we all want the same things. We want great things for their daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, we're trying to work together for that. Yeah. You know, you, you brought up the, the playing time thing. And I think that probably the best thing to do when it comes to playing time is you do need to talk about it. I think if you run from it, I think that just you're, you're delaying the problem and then you're just making it worse. You know, I know... Uh, you know, truth be told, in my situation, um, I've already, you know, kind of laid a, a little bit of the, the, the seed. You know, our, our season was, was finished last week, and, and I've already kind of put it out there, sprinkled it out there a little bit that, hey, you know, uh, I, I know I, I'm not dumb. I'm not naive. Uh, there's probably seven or eight girls that will be on our team next year that – can say I should be I should have an opportunity to start because of this 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 and this and there's another you know altogether there's another or there is not another there's not another sorry my English isn't very good it ain't no good coach uh, you know some total there's there's probably going to be ten or twelve ten to twelve girls I should say I should get some varsity minutes because of this 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 and this well. You know, I can only start five kids, like you said, and in a in a competitive game, the most kids I'm probably going to play is eight, maybe nine kids in a really highly competitive game, and so, you know, we, it's 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 a tough decision, and and everybody, there's a lot of kids that can can make a lot of different arguments that make a lot of sense, but those that's where we're going to be at and so i i think when you have those conversations with parents when you have those conversations with players they they then even though they might be frustrated and even though they might be disappointed they at least in the back of their mind can say well you know i know coach did talk about this with our team i know coach uh did put this out there and and sometimes you know it kind of backfires a little bit uh uh you were saying, Coach, that you, you did the, the minutes thing, the 160 minutes, and I kind of did that one year. 
and it turned out to be a really it was a tough year um and we did that exercise before the season started and it was kind of a a, a precursor because i gave it to the kids and you know should you start should you come off the bench at what level how many minutes a game should you play is kind of was the gist of the survey and we had 10 kids that said they felt like they should start on the varsity and another 10 different kids that felt like they should start on the JV. And mm. needless to say, we had we we had issues. It was it was a long tough year because nobody was really terribly happy with anything. And uh you know, so but we had had the conversation and and we had said, you know, girls, you have to understand Take a look at this. This is the results of the survey, and this is not going to work. And and you know it made it difficult. You know so, but but at least when you have those conversations, you you have the opportunity to uh, be able to point out to your team that you know this is something that we've talked about. This is the way things are going to be. If you have to have a sit down with an individual player. You know, look, we've talked about this. These are these are situations that we've mentioned, and unfortunately, right now for you, this is not working out the way that you want to. But there's a lot of season left to go, and I'm sure you've probably been in that situation before, Coach. How have you handled those type of things? You know, that's tough. You know, because every kid wants to play; they want to start, yep. and you want them to want that. Yeah. You know, and so I think, and I try to be just, just blatantly transparent as far as it's hard it's hard for me as a coach i i don't want to hurt people's feelings either mm-hmm. you know and so sometimes they, they can get a little empathy of it is a hard decision um but then and it leads to as you mentioned if, if someone puts something on a sheet that you're like whoa that's not quite in the area that we're thinking we need to have a conversation mm-hmm. and, and sometimes uncomfortable one or one that that's hard to have but it needs to be had because otherwise if you're just like, well, maybe you'll get that goal later on, then you're kind of stringing people along. But, but with that, I think the, the biggest thing is trying to allow players to find value in their role. Yep. And, and it might be more practice. It might be you practice varsity, but you play JB and it's not bad. It's not worse. It's just, this is where you at, where you're at. Get as much out of it as you can be a great teammate. Do great in your role. Bring this every day. Yep. You know, and, and opportunities might come up to play more varsity minutes. They may not, but either way, that doesn't devalue you as a person or a player. You are important to this team. We need you to bring your best effort, to be a great teammate. And and something that we try to be pretty intentional about is, you know, writing notes and, and, and giving compliments where they're due. And especially our, our starters and, and our upperclassmen of taking time throughout the season to encourage or point out someone that's more of a, a role player or, you know, more of a reserve and how they're important to the team. Because if they have a senior, you know, sitting in front of the group, while why that person who's maybe at the end of the bench that doesn't get in much is important to the team and helping our team success, they know they're important, you know. And so I think it can always come back to that of that's okay if you're not quite, you know, playing as many minutes as you'd like or starting yet you're still important to this team and this is where and why and how and, and keep doing what you're doing, keep working hard and your opportunities will come. They may not come this week or even this year, but it will be worth it. And that's a great way to end it coach. Uh, great 
observation, words of wisdom uh, at the wooden level, I think, Coach. I, I, re- I really think, you know, you, you might be writing your own book here someday. So, uh, Kristen Meyer, head girls basketball coach at West Des Moines Dowling High School. Uh, coach, it has been a, a privilege. Love the conversation that we have had tonight, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate what you do to grow the game and, you know, just have these conversations. Uh, As a coach, I love hearing from other people. And so thank you for the work you're doing just to keep spreading the word about basketball. Well, thanks, Coach. And and again, you know, wish you guys the best of luck. If if folks want to know more about the uh, Dowling Girls Basketball Program, how can they find that out via Internet, social media, that type of stuff? Sure. I'd say um, I'm probably most active on Twitter. Um, ours is, I believe, DCHSGBB. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of posts our, our things like that. Our, our school website has some information. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and anyone can ever reach out to me. Uh, my, my email is on the, the Dowling website. It's kmeyer at dowlingcatholic.org. Always uh, enjoy talking basketball with anyone, and, and so feel free to reach out. Great stuff, Coach. Great stuff. Again, best of luck next week. Uh, You're in a different class than my beloved Sheldon Orabs, my hometown Orabs. So uh, I can can cheer for you with a clear conscience down at the well from over here in Omaha. So uh, enjoy the experience, and and good luck with bringing back the gold. Make sure Tim O'Neill and Matt Mandering do what they're supposed to do. All right. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll let them know you say hi. <laughs> All right. If you could hold the line here a second, Coach, uh, I'd appreciate that. We're going to wrap up a couple things. Again, Kristen Meyer, uh, head girls basketball coach at West Des Moines Dowling High School. Got a terrific program over there. Uh, has, has continued to, to take it to places that uh, they want to go on a year-in, year-out basis, have another opportunity to win another state championship here this week or this, this coming week, next week, uh, down in, in downtown Des Moines. So I want to thank her for her time. I know she's really busy right now. She didn't have to do this this week, uh, but she wanted to come on, so it's great to have her on. Uh, again, we want to thank uh, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, download, rate, review, give us five stars, write a good review, subscribe, do all those great things. A pen and a napkin really appreciates it. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day. <laughs>